But it is so wonderful to be with you this morning and pastor and again thank you for the privilege of being at New Hope. I can tell you as a communicator, as a preacher, when you come to a great church like New Hope, uh, it's both exhilarating and frightening. Uh, it's exhilarating because it's a great church. It's frightening because you've had great pulpiteers. And when you're here, you just want to kind of flex your spiritual muscles, right? You just want to throw down a sermon that's just going to leave everybody inspired and in awe. I don't think I have that for you today. <laughs> I, I just think I have a word. I had a word that I thought I was going to preach, but the Lord just seemed to take me in a different direction. So I just want to give you a pastoral message this morning that I do believe if we apply and we'll receive it, it will be transformative to our life. And that really is the mark of the Christian faith, is that our life is transformed by the power of God and the glory of His Spirit for the glory of His Son. So if you have your Bibles, would you open them with me to the book of Romans, chapter number 12. The book of Romans is the sixth book of the New Testament. You have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then the book of Acts, and then the great book of Romans. Romans chapter 12 gives us two of the verses that are some of the most familiar verses in all of the New Testament. And many of us have these memorized, and we probably memorize them either out of the King James Version or derivative of that, or possibly out of the New uh, International Version. This morning I want to read it to you out of the New Living Translation, and I believe it'll be a blessing to us. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse number 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let that sit in, set in for just a moment. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. May the Lord add his blessing to the public reading of the scriptures this morning. Let me summarize what I want to talk to you about in our few moments that we have together. I want to summarize it in this one sentence. God is more interested in changing your mind than he is in changing your circumstances. Now we kind of push back on that, right? Because all of us are dealing with circumstances and most of us want God to change those circumstances. God, I don't want to be in the storm. I don't want to be in this trial or this tribulation. Lord, I, I need a change in this relationship. I need you to do something with this dead-end job that I'm stuck in. God, I need you to change my finances. I, I need you to change my health. I need you to remove this pain, the suffering, these setbacks I have. And God says... I want to change not what's on the outside of you so much as what is on the inside of you. Because it's our circumstances that do not bring transformation. Paul says it's the renewing of our mind. It's the way we think. It's changing the way we think about the things that are affecting our life. Now, I know some of you are going through very difficult circumstances right now. You're dealing with monumental issues. And I don't want you to be discomforted. Because God is not indifferent towards your circumstances. King David said it like this. He says, I cried out to the Lord in my hour of trouble. Those are circumstances. And the Lord heard my cry and he attended to my needs. So God is not indifferent towards your needs this morning. Thanks be to God. But God's saying there's something greater I want to do. I want to change the way you're thinking about the things that you're thinking about. 
And so I want to talk to you about why it's so important that we manage our own mind. Let me give you three quick reasons here. First of all, it's because my thought life controls my life. Our thought life controls our life. Every action that you and I will ever take begins with a thought. Now, this is both bad and good. If I think well and I think righteously and I think according to God's good will in my life, I will respond in like manner with my action and those actions will lead me down a course of decisions and that decision will lead me to a place of destiny in Him. However, if my thinking is poor and I choose unrighteousness or anger or frustration or fear and I allow those things to direct me and shape my life, then it's going to take me to a place that is not God's very best. Listen to the wisdom of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Notice it determines the course. So I'm to keep my heart, my mind. I'm to keep it focused because it's going to direct my life. One translation says it like this. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. And for some of us, we were raised in a great home. We've had great support systems where people have spoken good, life-giving words to us. And we know that those words have shaped and directed our lives because we have leaned into that truth. But you may be here this morning or watching online, and you recognize that you didn't have that, and people spoke things over your life that you weren't enough, or you weren't good enough, or you didn't have the talent or the resources, or you would never become that, or your ceiling's so low. And somehow you bought into those thoughts, and those thoughts have shaped your life. That's why it's so important that we manage our thoughts because they do control our life. Secondly is this, I need to manage my thoughts because it is the battleground for sin in my life. I need to manage my thought because it is the battleground for sin. All temptation that you face, that I face, begins in our mind. We think it's the stuff that's out here. What we see online or what's going on at the party, at the frat house, whatever that may look like for you. But the reality is it's not the stuff out there that tempts us. The Bible says in James that each person is tempted when they're drawn away by their own desires. That's the inward part of us. Then you have this inward stuff working and we're thinking about dwelling on and it begins to correlate with something on the outside and when those two get together, less than good things happen. The Apostle Paul, who was the face of the Christian church in the end of the first century, gave us the book of Romans. And many believe it's the highest work of literature in all of the Bible. And in chapter 7, he gives us one of the most beautiful, vulnerable, transparent insights to his own life and his own Christian faith and struggle. He talks about how he struggles at times with choosing the right path. Maybe you feel that same struggle. I think we all do. Listen to what he says, Romans chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. Paul says, I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably end up doing what's wrong. Anyone ever felt that struggle before? Everybody here has. God, I want to do right. Paul goes on to say in the very next sentence, I love God's law or God's word with all my heart. I do not doubt that statement for even a second. 
Matter of fact, I believe you're here this morning because you love God and you love his word and you want to follow it and obey it and submit your life to it because it's for good and it's for his glory. I believe that. I believe you're here today not just because it's air conditioned and it's really steamy and really hot in Augusta. I believe you're here because you love God and you love his word and you want to grow, yet you face this tension as I do when we all do that God, I want to do what's right, but unfortunately to often I choose what's wrong. What's causing this? And notice what Paul goes on to say. Verse 23, that there's another power within me that is at war. Listen to that language, the imagery there. There's this power working in me that's at war with my mind. That's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. It says this outward expression of choosing bad isn't because of what's going on outwardly. It's because of what's going on inwardly. So I need to manage my mind because it is the battleground of sin. Here's the third reason. The third reason I need to manage my mind is because it is the key to peace. It is the key to peace. If you and I today will learn from God's word and we will go home and we will apply this, I've got good news for you. The experience of God's peace will increase substantially in your life. It will be noticed. It will show up on your Richter scale. It will be powerful. Notice what the Bible says in Isaiah 26 verse 3. The prophet says, Lord, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. I want you to think about for just a moment, what is that that your mind wants to gravitate towards today? Is it the issue on the job that you've got to face tomorrow? Is it something going on in your family? Maybe your finances, maybe something with your kids. Maybe you have some important life decisions to make and it's just demanding all this attention. And the more attention you give it, the more anxiety you feel and you just feel the pressure amping up in your own life. Here, the word of the Lord tells us if we will keep our minds stayed on him, he will not just give us peace. He says, I will give you perfect peace. Perfect peace in the middle of that. So the reason I want to manage my mind is it controls my life. It is the battleground for sin. And it's the key to peace. See, an unmanaged mind leads to tension in my life and in yours. But a managed mind, it leads to tranquility. An unmanaged mind leads to pressure, but a managed mind leads to peace. An unmanaged mind leads to conflict and chaos. But a managed mind leads to confidence and assurance. The unmanaged mind leads to stress and blow-ups and anger. But the managed mind leads to strength and serenity and peace. And I know that there are some folks here right now going, Tony, I would love to experience that. I would love to, but God's going to have to do this because I can't do this. I I can't. There's no way I can manage my mind or my thoughts or my anxieties. 
And let me say, I think I've been on that boat with you for a long time. That, Lord, I need you to give me this peace. I need you to do this. But as I started studying the Scripture, what I discover is God saying, no, this is something you can do by the grace I give you and the power of the Spirit that abides within you. That my mind is not in control of me, but I can be in control of my own mind. Listen to what the Bible says here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Notice what he's saying there. Let the peace. In other words, this is an opportunity that you and I have. That we have a choice in the matter. That I don't have to yield to this. I am not a slave to my own emotions, my own mind. But I can let the peace of God rule and reign. Notice what the Bible says again in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. And let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. In other words, give yourself permission to get in control of your own mind. You don't have to allow it to run ramshot through your head, causing all this stress, all this anxiety, every conversation beginning to amp up where you're bickering and fighting and just uncomfortable and all these seasons. No, you can say, this is not the Father's goodwill for me. I can let peace rule in my life and in my heart. Can I get an amen in this house this morning? Say, but Tony, how do you control your thoughts? How do you control a thought that just runs through your mind? Now, I'll give us that. You can't control a thought that runs through your head. But you can control what you do with it once it gets in your head. Uh, The great German reformer, Martin Luther, said it like this. He says, you cannot keep birds from flying over your head but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. (laughs) In other words, I don't have to hold on to it and it doesn't have to take up residency in my own brain, which is going to bring me stress and anxiety and uncertainty and fear. No, I can lean into and I can let the peace of God take up residency in my life. So the question becomes this very simple question. How in the world do I do this, Tony? How in the world do I get control of this area of my life that is so important for transformation, yet it seems so out of control? I want to share with you three practices that you and I have to do every day. This is not something we can just do this morning or uh, just one and done like NCAA basketball right now. This is not a one-off deal. You have to show up every day and you've got to do this. And if you will allow this to be a part of your spiritual discipline and your discipleship, I'm telling you, this is transformative. And years from now, you'll look back and this will be one of those red letter days that said, I took control of that which was controlling me. And in taking control of that, by the grace of God, my life is transformed and I've experienced the good and the perfect and the acceptable will of God taking place in my life. What are these three things? Number one is this, you got to feed your mind. You got to feed your mind. Would you say that with me? Feed my mind. If you want to renew mine, You must feed your mind with truth. Now, all of us have seen enough and experienced enough to know that you've got to have good physical nutrition in your life to be healthy. You can't just load up your body with a bunch of junk and frappuccinos and huddle houses and all that. Maybe that's why the Lord sent me away. I was going to be 800 pounds. 
I remember a pastor telling me one time, man, you're really growing in the Lord. I said, I know, and if I don't stop, I'm going to have to buy new pants. <laughs> we know this. If you put in good calories, you're going to get out good energy. But if you put junk in your body, it's going to affect your body. It's going to be noticeable. It is the same exact truth with our minds. If we sit and just listen to every negative report, every problem, every possibility, if we extrapolate every what if that the evil one puts in our mind about our family or our finance or our future, if you just sit and soak in all of that, I'm telling you, you're going to fill your mind with so much garbage, it's going to begin to reshape and direct your life in a way that is not God's very best for you. So we have to feed our mind. Jesus said it like this in John 8, 32. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Pastor Bowen preached a sermon years ago, probably 22 years ago, and I've never forgotten it. He says, when you look at it in the original language, it says it a little stronger. It says, you shall know the truth and the truth you know shall set you free. You got to know the truth. I have to know the truth in order to walk in the freedom that God has for me. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Friend, that's soul food right there. That'll satisfy your soul. That will bless you in the deepest of places. Well, when are we supposed to have this meal with the Lord? When are we supposed to sit down and feed our mind? Well, we've got to do more than just Sunday morning. Can I get a witness there? It's just not enough. Matter of fact, we know this in, through dietitians that we need to eat not just one big meal a day, that we need to eat several small meals throughout the day. Five or six different meals, they say. The problem for me in that is I have a hard time discerning what exactly is small. Well, it's the same thing with God's Word. We need to have a consistent diet by which our mind is being fed the truth of God's word that is counterculture to the lies that we hear consistently in our culture in the day we live in. Let's look at King Dave for just a moment because this is a man who took his relationship with God very serious. The Bible actually calls him a man after God's own heart. And we see that evidenced by the way he studied God's word and he put God's word in his heart. And notice how he did this. He gives us his daily plan. Notice, if you will, uh, Psalms chapter 119, verse 147. He says, I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and I put my hope in your word. David said, I start my morning. I start my day not on Instagram, not on Facebook, not on checking my emails, not on finding out what the score of the games last night. But I start my, word, my, my day in the Word of God, and I set my heart to seek you. He says, I cry out, that's prayer, and I look to your Word for hope, that's Bible study. So we begin our day, not with all the news of the night, we begin our day focusing our attention on God's Word and His promises. And that's what David is talking about when he says, I look for hope in your Word. 
Hope is found in the promises of God. And do you realize there are more than 5,000 promises in your Bible? And every one of those promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And when you're a little low on hope, if you'll open up the Word of God and allow those promises to begin to rise up in you, I'm telling you, friend, hope will rise as well as we set our mind to seek the Lord early in the morning. Now notice what he says, Psalms 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Would you say that little phrase with me? All day long. In other words, when David got done with his Bible study and devotion, he didn't close his Bible, put it on the shelf and forget about it. But during the day, he would reflect on it. You know, we live in this great age of technology and I love it. I'm an early adopter. So any new app that I can find that may uh, seemingly help my life, I try to lean into it. I love the Bible apps that are out there. And you know, you can set your Bible app and there are settings that you can go that every three hours it's going to remind you of that day's scripture verse. What a great blessing that is so that you can be about your day in the marketplace or at home or wherever life takes you and you get a little text that reminds you, hey, here's the promises of God today. That's what David's saying. I'm not forgetting about God's word and leaving him in my prayer closet. I'm going to take his word with me and his promises with me all day long long. Then notice what he says in Psalm 16, verse number seven. He says, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. So at nine, I'm not just going to watch the news and go to bed worried and depressed. I'm going to lean over. I'm going to get my word and I'm going to read the truth of God's word. And as I do this, friends, listen, as we do this, this is transformative to our life. It reshapes the direction of our life. It propels us to the divine purposes of God in our life. Say, Tony, that sounds good on Sunday, but I don't know if that really works on Tuesday. Well, it worked for King David. I'm going to give you one more passage here. And before I do, I want to give you the context. As you know, David was the king of Israel, the great king of Israel. But when he was first anointed king by Samuel, at God's calling... The current king, Saul, was not very happy about that decision, either by God or Samuel. And he chased David all over Israel. Matter of fact, Saul sent Israel's army to go and kill David. David had to live in caves. He had to act like a madman at the gates of the city at one point. He had to run for his life. He was a fugitive. He was on the run constantly. But he says these words in Psalms 119, verse 95. Though the wicked hide along the way to kill me. I will quietly keep my mind on your word. David says, yes, this works on Tuesday. And this works when you're in the caves of Engedi. And this works when you're on Bobby Jones Freeway. And this works when you're at Kroger or at Walmart or when you're at the doctor's office. This works because... God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him. A few years ago, more than a few years ago, when I was a senior in high school, I was over at a friend's house. And it was the 4th of July. It was about this time, probably about 30 years ago now. I'm really that old. It's amazing, right? And so we were over, and it was a quintessential 4th of July party. A lot of people, cookouts, pools, fireworks. Well, at the end of the evening, Mrs. Everett presents a present to Mr. Everett. 
my friend's parents. And he opens it up and it's this painting of a soldier with the 23rd Psalm. And he just breaks out in tears, just almost weeping uncontrollably. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is a nice photo, but I don't know if that was worthy of that response. That seems a little overkill there. And then Mr. Le- uh, Everett told the story. Mr. Everett was a Vietnam War veteran. And he said there was a time that he and his platoon were out and they had bad intel. And they actually walked right into an ambush. He says it was unbelievable all the crazy that broke loose. We were taking rounds on all sides. Guys in my platoon were falling just like flies. He says finally the captain yelled, retreat, retreat. He says, I had never been in such terror and panic in my entire life. He says, I'm running down the road trying just to survive when a rocket launch grenade hits my buddy next to me and annihilates him. Another guy has fallen and I'm grabbing him by the back of the shirt and trying to drag him up. He says, I was in complete and total terror and panic. He says, when God put the 23rd Psalm in my head, and he says, and when I was running through Vietnam on that road being shot at by these enemy, I began to quote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. For he makes me to lie down in the green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For And he says, and as I did, he said, the peace of God landed in the midst of my life. I'm telling you, that's the God you serve. So you got to feed your mind. Number three is this. Number two, you got to do this. You got to free your mind from destructive thoughts. You got to free your mind from destructive thoughts. Your mind needs to be liberated, released. Some of you today are prisoners of your own thoughts. You can't hardly get out of your own head. And there are three enemies that want to keep you from moving into the good intentions that you want to live out for Christ. The first enemy is this, is your old nature. Your old nature. Now, let me make sure that we're theologically sound on this. Paul writes and he says, If any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. You don't have an old nature and a new nature living in you. You just have a redeemed nature in you. There aren't two of you living in you. That's called schizophrenia, and we can get you some help. But there is this thing of our old nature, those habits and those vices and those yearnings of our own carnality and flesh that want to rise up. And your old nature is not your friend. And there will be moments when you're angry and frustrated and mad and you want to respond like you would have before Christ. But you can stop yourself and say, whoa, 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 that is not who I am anymore. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I don't have to succumb to that because I have a new spirit in my life and the spirit of the Holy God. Secondly is Satan. Satan's an enemy that wants to attack your mind. He understands the most valuable piece of property is not in Singapore. It's not in Manhattan. It's not somewhere in the Middle East. It is the six inches between your ears. And if he can control that property, he can control you. So you got to say, you know what? I'm not listening to the lies of the enemy. I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. I'm holding up the shield of faith. Listen, maybe the most important thing I can tell you this morning is this. Not every thought you have is truth. 
Not everything you think about God, not everything you think about your family, not everything you think about your marriage, not everything you think about your health. For some reason, we think if we think it, it must be truthful. If you think it, it might not be truth. Not all thoughts are truthful, but all thoughts are powerful in our life. And you've got to discern, this isn't from God. This isn't the Father's good plans for me. This is not in alignment with who he says I am in him. Therefore, I'm going to cast this down. I'm going to set it aside. I'm not going to give it a place to dwell in my mind and heart. Satan, get behind me because I have a new way of living by the grace of God. And the third one is this, is you just got to deal with the culture. Because our culture is always trying to teach us something that is contrary to the Word of God. How many times have we heard this statement? I'm just living to my truth. The problem is your truth is probably not the truth. There is only one truth. And that is the Word of the Lord. And we can't allow the culture to begin to conform us. That's why Paul says, don't be conformed to this patterns and this world's pattern of doing things. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then finally, let me say this and I'll get out of your way today. Not only do we have to feed our mind and free our mind, but you got to focus your mind. You got to focus your mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. Listen to what Paul says here. He says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. And some of you are trying to do that. Flesh gets all stirred up, you're angry. He says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Let me define for you what a stronghold is. A stronghold is any lie that you have accepted in your life as truth. That you're not good enough. That you'll never become much. That you've got the wrong body shape. You've got the wrong education. You don't have the right resources. You're not networked right. That your past is so horrible that you can never overcome it. I'm telling you, those are all lies from the pit of hell. But when you and I choose to believe them as truth, they become strongholds in our life. But I got good news for you this morning. We serve a God who breaks strongholds. We serve a God who sets the captive free. Hallelujah be to God. Yeah, give the Lord praise. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal in nature, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And watch this, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Listen, we all have thoughts that aren't pleasing to God. We all have thoughts that would lead us down a path that would be destructive. We all have things that we're working through and trying to unpack and trying to unscramble our eggs, if you will. But I'm telling you, for some, this is a stronghold. The good news is God's given you weapons, and that weapon is the Word of God, which is truth. And you begin to shine the Word of God on that and say, you know what? That's not truth because God's Word is truth, and that is contrary to what God's Word says. And I'm going to pull that down, and I'm going to bring it captive, and I'm going to bring it into the obedience of Christ because I'm learning who God is in me and who I am in God, and that's more than enough for every situation. Amen. And then finally is this. I want to give you three focal points. How do we focus our mind in a world that's always trying to distract us? I'll probably just give you two. Number one is this. 
Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. There's an old song we used to sing around the church. It dates me. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His wondering grace. Lift up your eyes from the circumstances that you're facing. See Jesus high and exalted. Begin to focus on Him and His promises. Begin to focus on the reality that He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you unto the end of the age and to the end of the world. Begin to focus on the fact that He is the eternal Son of God that was not created, but He always existed. And before there was ever time, there was Christ. And that He is the agency of all creation. And all things that were created were created by Him and for Him. And for His glory they were created. Which is to say that before there was time, there was Christ. And this Christ stepped into the reality of our time to change our world and redeem us from the crazy that we were in. And the good news of our Christ is this, is when all time is over, He still rules as King of kings and Lord of lords. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and see how wonderful and glorious He is. Think of the reality of Him living in you and that you can do all things now through Christ who gives you strength. And if God be for you, who is it that can be against you? And even though there are weapons formed against you, you can rejoice because no weapon formed against you will prosper and every tongue that will rise up against you will be condemned because your heritage is in the Lord. Remind yourself that there was no one before him and there will be no one after him. He is Lord over all creation. He is Lord over heaven, over earth, over all the things that are in the sea. He is Lord over the rich and Lord over the poor. He is Lord over the educated and He is Lord over the simple. He is Lord over the living and over the dead. Under the, uh, He's Lord over the born and the unborn. He is Lord of all things and every knee and every tongue will ultimately confess that Jesus Christ is Lord on that great day of the Lord. But I'm not waiting to that day. I'm not waiting until he appears in the eastern sky I'm going to set my affection on him and as David said I will lift up my eyes and I will see the Lord it was Isaiah who said in the year of the death of King Uzziah his dear friend he said God pulled back the bifold universe and I saw heaven and there before me I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne and the seraphim and the living creatures cried holy 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 is the Lord God almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Oh, lift up your eyes, friend, and see your king is on his throne today. He is mighty. He has you. He has this. He has never failed and he's never going to fail. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God and of his kingdom it will never end. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord praise in this house this morning. Oh, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your mind focused. I'll close with this. You got to keep your eyes on eternity as well. Oh, it's so easy to get caught up in the moment. To get caught up in the struggle. To get caught up in the, the crazy. And We think about eternity and we think that it's something that's going to happen one day. But I want you to know that if you've received Jesus Christ, eternity is right now for you. Eternal life has begun for you. And your worst and your last enemy is death. And Jesus has already defeated that for you. As you might imagine, I've done a lot of funerals. 
and now 18 years of ministry. Several years ago, I started doing this uh, for every service I would do. Before the service or somewhere during the visitation, I'd walk up to uh, the casket. And without any fanfare or anybody noticing, I really haven't shared this hardly. I'll just lay my hand on the deceased's shoulder and I'll just speak these words. Death shall have no dominion over thee. Death will have no dominion over you. Two years ago, my father uh, contracted West Nile virus, a mosquito. Within four weeks, he died. It was a devastating loss for me. The pain, the sense of loss, it is overwhelming. I'm not going to lie to you, friends. And I remember walking in. I'd gotten done preaching that Sunday morning. And my wife came to me and she said, your dad's in trouble. We've got to get there now. We bolted out and got to the facility. And they walked in and they said, Vismore family, your father has passed. It's crushing. Crushing. And I remember walking back into the room where my dad was, his body. And I remember, you know, the evil one just shows up at all the inopportune times, right? And I remember walking in that room. And that morning there was like six decisions for Christ in the second service there, Grace. And I remember walking in and hearing this little voice saying, You still believe it? You still believe? You still believe? I walked over to my father's body and I laid my hand on his shoulder and I declared, death shall have no dominion over thee. And the Lord reminded me of John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. There it is. It's back on me again. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would tell you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will return again and I'll receive you to myself so that where I am there, you may be also. And my sorrow and my loss, I remember opening up Paul's letter to the Thessalonians and finding hope and comfort. when he said, for the Lord himself shall descend the shout and the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ shall rise. And then we, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air to be with the Lord. Say, we won't precede those who have died. No, we'll all go up together. And we'll gather there together. And Paul finishes that fourth chapter by saying, Therefore comfort one another with these words. I've come to remind you, I'm telling you, there's more than just the mess you're in right now. There's more than just the circumstance. There's something greater that's taking place than the storm. Oh, we may not understand it here and we may have to get to the by and by and in the by and by we'll understand it better. And in that morning he will wipe away every tear. He will dry every eye and our God shall become our Lord and we will be his people and we'll never be separated again. But until then, friends, keep your eyes on eternity. 
Keep looking forward. He has not forgotten you. He will not forsake you. He will not abandon you. He will not deny you. He will not set you aside, but he will be with you. He will guard you. And he says, therefore, do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and the perfect and the acceptable will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Would you stand with me this morning, please? Would you lift up holy hands to God right now? Father, I thank you. I praise you. I honor you, God. God, I thank you for this people that are gathered here. I thank you for this people. I thank you for the men and women and the stories and the issues and everything that they've brought into this house today. Because God, you're more than enough for every story. You're more than enough, God. Some of them haven't slept well in weeks, but Lord, today your word is going forth and will not return void. It's going to accomplish something in their life. Lord, I thank you. Transformation is happening right now. This is what I want you to do. I want you to put your hands down and you say, Tony, I'm struggling with this. I really am. And I need God to do something in my life today. I need the Lord to do something in my life. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand for just a moment? Oh, God bless you and you and you. Now, this is what I need you to do. I believe in body ministry. If someone has their hand up around you, would you just slip your hand over on their shoulder right now? We're going to pray for them and ask God to do something great. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would do exceedingly abundantly above what they can ask or even think right now. I pray that, Lord, you would infuse them, God, with a peace that surpasses all understanding. I pray that you would give them this assurance, God, that, not, Lord, not only do you have them, but you've got those things that feel like they have them. God, I pray you'd be more than enough and I pray that your perfect peace would guard their hearts and mind as they stay on you. Father, we'll be quick to honor you. We'll be quick to give you praise and glory. We thank you for your faithfulness. Father, we ask all these things in the name that is above all other names, the name in whose kingdom comes and will shall be done, and of whose government there will be no wind. So, Lord, we surrender and we submit ourselves to you fully and completely. And to that end, we give you the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. And together we said, amen. God bless you and God bless this great church.